Welcome to USA Today's Long Listen, showcasing the most popular audio stories of the week. Coming up, a reporter on the ground in Liberia talks with U.S. troops analyzing Ebola cases. So when they are releasing patients, um, if we know they're releasing, we kind of cheer for them. We hear their names and it's, it's exciting to see them and they're so happy to be getting out. They're praising God and they're, they're just so happy and smiling, so it, it's wonderful. The planet's strongest storm of the year, Typhoon Hagaput, gets closer to the Philippines. There's been some dramatic uh, images in the last couple days of oh. a Typhoon Hagaput that shows the cloud tops, how mm -hmm. high and how tall these, these storms are. It can be miles up into the atmosphere, and it's uh, some pretty lovely and dramatic images with, with these type of storms. Two USA Today journalists fight over who has the better smartphone. And the other thing we cannot forget is it's half the price of the iPhone 6. Half the price. Speaking of phones, Adult Swim's Eric Andre confesses an addiction. I'm totally addicted to my cell phone. I'm sure like serotonin is released every time I get like a new tweet or something. I don't know what I'm searching for. So what is the most exciting? Is it is it new followers? Is it a bunch of retweets? I guess it's all of that, but it's actually in real life none of that. It's like chasing the dragon and searching for the searching for a high, you're chasing a ghost, you know what I mean? That doesn't exist. And stay tuned to hear from Victoria's Secret models backstage in London. What was the question? Um, <laughs> what's the question? Sorry, um, just, just is there anything particular this year, this show in London that's more exciting? It's just going to be exciting to have a European audience. USA Today reporter Greg Zoroya spent a week in Ebola-stricken Liberia talking to people fighting against the deadly disease. Monrovia, Liberia is a city that desperately wants to shake off Ebola and get on with life. The massive billboards warning of infection and imploring people to wash their hands and monitor fevers still loom everywhere, but they've lost visual punch, fading into the kaleidoscope of a busy cityscape. I'm with uh, Navy Lieutenant Christina Ferris. So much of what we do over here is, is blinded. So we're, we're not clinicians, we don't see patients regularly. But because we do have the, the names and the ages, we do get to see the progression of the disease. And so, I mean, it makes us really happy to see that those people have recovered from the infection and to actually put the face to the name as they walk out. I mean, that's why we're here. A population warned about physical proximity touches and holds hands and elbows, crowding together as readily as in any other teeming metropolis. Children scatter across intersections, hawking wrapped candies or fried plantains through car windows, where major paved arteries give way to capillaries of rutted dirt roads and congested neighborhoods. The poor populations seem too busy for the measures aimed at defeating Ebola, where major paved arteries give way to capillaries of rutted dirt roads and congested neighborhoods. The poor populations seem too busy for the measures aimed at defeating Ebola. I'm with Navy Lieutenant Andrea McCoy. Our assignment is to take blood samples that come from patients that are suspected of having Ebola and test those um, and determine yes they do, no they don't have Ebola and, and send that, that, that those results back to the providers. So the providers can make that separation of people, it's very much like triage, um, separate people who do not have Ebola from people who do, so you lower their risk of being exposed to someone who does, and you get the right treatment to people who, who do. The epidemic has eased in Liberia, but it isn't over. Nearby Sierra Leone and Guinea remain in the thick of the disease. I'm with Lieutenant Jose Garcia, one of the Navy sailors here who are working with the Ebola samples. We had one uh, sample that came from a nine-year-old boy um, that boy was one of our hottest samples that we had, and when I say hottest, I meant it's one of, the, one of the samples that had the most virus within it. This kid had a CT value of 14, which in essence meant he had around close to a billion viral particles per ml of blood. That in itself is a death sentence, basically, um, because once the virus passes a certain threshold, as much care as you give that patient, they're not really going to make it. I really don't know the, the outcome of, of, the, of the child but um, that right there hit home for me. People saw the sickness as an imminent danger and responded. Now Ebola is largely tucked out of sight in partially filled clinics. As it has from the beginning, the Red Cross moves out in convoys to recover and, and incinerate bodies to fight Ebola. 
This is one of the greatest experiences I've, I've had in my life. I've actually been able to use my abilities and my skills to actually benefit, in that sense, a nation. It's a great feeling when you see a cluster of new patients and they're all negative. So you're entering that data in there and you know full well they get to go home without being exposed to people with Ebola for a long period of time. So when they are releasing patients, um, if we know they're releasing, we kind of cheer for them. We hear their names and it's, it's exciting to see them and they're so happy to be getting out and you know, they're, they're praising God and they're, they're just so happy and smiling, so it, it's wonderful. USA Today's Charlene Washington and weather reporter Doyle Rice discuss all the details of Typhoon Hagaput roaring towards the Philippines this weekend. It's called uh, Typhoon Hagaput, it's, uh, which is a Philippine word for, uh, some people say crash, other people say uh, smash or lash, something like that. But uh, anyway, uh, it's a pretty strong typhoon and it's actually entered into the realm of a super typhoon. Uh, which has wind speeds of, I believe it's over 150 miles per hour. So it's an extremely powerful typhoon. That's very powerful. Why, tell me a little bit, why is the Philippines so um, subject to such powerful storms and year round at that? Yeah, uh, unfortunately, the uh, Western Pacific uh, Basin, which is where these typhoons form, uh, there's really not a specific season. It's, it's, it is something that happens year-round in that part of the world. And by far more typhoons form in um, the Western Pacific than any other part of the world, keeping in mind that typhoons are the same type of storms as hurricanes. They're just called uh, typhoons in the West Pacific. On average, about 30 uh, either uh, tropical storms or, uh, if they become strong enough, typhoons form in the Western Pacific each year. And that makes countries like the Philippines and also China two of the most uh, typhoon or storm-prone countries uh, on the planet. That's very impressive. Now, do these typhoons move in and out fairly quickly, or does it just depend on the weather pattern, the, the wind? Yeah, it depends on what's what's going on around it. Uh, it completely is pushed around by the uh, other weather systems that are in place as these storms form. Uh, whether or not they get uh, they move quickly or slowly, or which track they are on, it it all depends on what's going on around it. So, is Typhoon Haiyan a little bit strong? Was it a little bit stronger than Typhoon? Hiccupit? Yeah, uh, Haiyan is going to be tough to, to match. It was the, the strongest uh, storm, or at least in the top handful of storms ever recorded at landfall anywhere on the planet in the, in the history of recording uh, these type of storms. It had, uh, I, I believe, uh, sustained winds approaching uh, 180 miles per hour wow. when it made landfall last year. Uh, so it, it seems very unlikely that uh, Hagapit will will reach that level of uh, of wind speed. But uh, in, in that part of the world, uh, that uh, you, you, a few miles an hour isn't going to be that big of a difference. Uh, there's still going to be terrific winds, uh, storm right. surge, and heavy rainfall with this with this storm. And hopefully, it will not uh, do the damage that Haiyan did. Right. So it will stay pretty much isolated. You think, Doyle? Uh, you mean uh, just in the same area? Yes, or? I mean, will other countries be affected? Will it? Uh, that uh, we, we've been so focused on the Philippines, mm -hmm. haven't really looked too far beyond that. Okay. Uh, Often when these storms interact with land, they lose a bit of their punch. Uh, that uh, they, mm -hmm. they, re they require uh, warm seawater to keep them fueled. And uh, once they go over land, it can kind of break them up a little bit. Not, not to say that it couldn't reform and re-strengthen once it passes the Philippines. I see. And then it would be a concern for mainland Asia and countries such as uh, Vietnam or China. For those that don't know out there, what is the difference with between a typhoon and a hurricane? Yeah, uh, typhoons and hurricanes and cyclones, as, as they're known in, mm. the, uh, in the Indian Ocean, they're all under the umbrella term uh, tropical cyclone. And mm. it's, a, uh, it's a storm that uh, we're familiar with here, with hurricanes. It's right. exactly the same type of storm as a hurricane. It's one with, that does not have uh, fronts associated with it. It, it has a, uh, a warm core in the center of it. <laughs> it's, it's not one that, uh, like a typical storm that goes across the country uh, during the winter, let's say that that is a what they call an extra tropical storm oh, I but see. Uh, yeah tropical cyclones uh, encompass typhoons hurricanes and uh, cyclones in the Indian Ocean and uh, it only depends on where they form mm -hmm. uh, as far as what uh, what they're called west of the international dateline they become typhoons
So, uh, you know, people talk about the eye of the storm, you know, with a hurricane. Is there eye of the typhoon yeah, as exactly. well? Exactly. Uh, there's been some dramatic uh, images in the last couple of days of oh. uh, Typhoon Higapit. Uh, some really amazing satellite images uh, that, that uh, the scientists uh, really can do incredible things with uh, satellite imagery these days. Uh, radar imagery that shows just the, uh, the, the cloud tops, how mm -hmm. high and how tall these, these storms are. It can be miles up into the air up into the atmosphere and it's uh, some pretty lovely and dramatic images with with these type of storms uh so the, there's definitely an eye and as always that is where the strongest winds are uh, around the eye and, and of course inside the eye uh there's no wind at all but uh mm -hmm. very little but it's, it's in the eye wall where the worst winds are do you think the folks in the Philippines will recover from a, a storm of this magnitude? Oh, yeah. That as I've said, that they're the most typhoon. They're the, one of the most storm-prone uh, countries on Earth. They, uh, it's part of their, it's part of their lives. It's part of their 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 livelihoods over there in the right. Philippines. They have to. Uh, it's a very populated, uh, densely populated, and uh, rather. You know the the building codes aren't up to what we have here, right. so uh, it's it's something they they have to cope and deal with, mm -hmm. and uh, they're they're they'll they will survive. They will certainly survive. Uh, this one could affect uh, Manila, which is the biggest city and it's the capital city of of the Philippines. So right. uh, we'll get a chance to see possibly how uh, how how Manila does at this right. time. I mean, I, I wonder if Manila is even prepared as well as the Philippines. What well, are your thoughts on that? Oh yeah, they are. They are. They're. 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 All, they're probably have the strongest building codes of any part of the country i would say they're, right. they're the capital city so uh, so there're not a lot of people living in tents or anything like that well there are people still uh, who are who were displaced in some ways by the typhoon a year and a, a year and a month ago it happened mm -hmm. 13 months ago there are still people living in uh, rather rough conditions uh, especially in Tacloban I believe is how it's pronounced mm -hmm. that's the city that took the biggest brunt of Haiyan I know there's uh, still some uh, people living in, in rough conditions so uh, yes. hopefully they'll uh, they'll survive this one right so why do they call this why does this typhoon have two different names um all um typhoons and uh Tropical systems are named by what, what's called the World Meteorological Organization. They are uh, they're the ones who give the uh, hurricane names that we're, f we're familiar with, and yes. they give the typhoon names, Hagaput. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the same time, uh, and again, the World Meteorological Organization is part of the United Nations. Uh, so, But they give the, the names uh, that all the countries use, but then sometimes countries themselves have their own set of names right. uh, that, that, that uh, they give to these storms. And uh, last year with Haiyan, uh, in the Philippines, it was known as uh, Yolanda. Right. And uh, this time, um, Hagopit in the Philippines is known as Ruby. Uh, so they have their own set of names, adding to the confusion, I guess. Right. <laughs> uh, here in the U.S., we, we go right along. We don't uh, name hurricanes other than what uh, they're given by the uh, the Hurricane Center and and the the WMO, so uh, we we go along with them. They'll come up with our own names. Right. Uh, so, uh, and they they usually name uh, names based on the languages of uh, the countries that they impact. So here in here in the, the Atlantic, you'll have French names because yes. the the storm could affect affect. Um, Guadeloupe or Martinique or Haiti right. and you'll have plenty of Spanish names of course and <laughs> some American names thrown in too and as, as we said earlier Hagapit is uh, I believe it's a Tagalog name which is a, the, the Philippine language and uh, again it could be smash or right. lash or something like that. So. Well I definitely understand smash it yes. sounds like this is going to be a powerful storm <laughs> and to call it ruby which is such a precious gem I, know. I just can't imagine. That doesn't, imagine. Sound, right. doesn't no. sound right. Okay. <laughs> Things got a little heated when tech reporter Jefferson Graham and money columnist Matt Krantz argued over who owns the better smartphone. It's another edition of My Phone is Better Than Yours. Matt has a new phone, I've got a new phone, and he is pretty excited about this new phone, which is cool. Um, it's the underrated, underrated Microsoft Windows phone. I, of course, have the Win iPhone 6, which I think is the best iPhone ever. But let's just move it over to Matt. Tell me why. This is a great phone. Okay, this is a Lumia 830, and it's great for a number of reasons. First of all, you can remo remove the battery. 
So if you're on assignment and you run out of juice and you can't recharge, you can pull it right out of the back, unlike an iPhone, which is sealed tight. You can also expand the RAM. So if you're like me and you take a lot of video, a lot of photos, you can drop a 128 gigabyte memory card in the back of this and turn this into a, like a computer. Whereas you cannot do that with an iPhone. Those are sealed tight. Um, some other things I like about it is the solid build quality. You can drop it and it won't break. Gorilla Glass 3. And the other thing we cannot forget is it's half the price of the iPhone 6. Half the price. And it has a better camera. It has a 10 megapixel camera versus 8 in the iPhone 6. Okay, so let's break down some of that. First of all, the first two features you mentioned are standard on any Galaxy phone. Removable battery and removable memory. The glass that can't break, I don't know about that because I, I had a review phone and it broke into 128 pieces. That was an old phone. That was, that old was phone. an old, how old was that phone? About a year. No, 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 no. That was a 1020. Okay, you're right. You're right. You have better memory than I do. Okay, so it, it broke badly. I have a broken iPhone if you want to see it. Okay. Oh, there's a lot of broken iPhones out there. There's a great business. Every, every block has somebody that will fix your iPhones. But when you say it's cheaper, now... Everybody knows that when they go to the store, they have to get this two-year contract, and the price is all relative to the two-year contract. But the iPhone, if you want to buy it outright, is $650, as are the Samsungs. So how much is this lot unlocked, and how much are you truly paying for this phone? This phone you can purchase right now for $400, and it includes a free Fitbit band. Uh, the iPhone, if you wanted to buy that, I believe was, what, $650. People think that it's only $200. That's the greatest myth in the world. You are paying $650 for that phone. You just don't realize it because it's being embedded with interest on your monthly bill. I believe you're paying more than $650 when you do it. You are absolutely correct. It is being added with interest to your bill. So you're being pretty much gouged for that phone with features that you probably don't even need. What I don't understand is like T-Mobile has dropped a contract and you just go in there and you buy a phone and you pay cash for it and then you're paying a $50 a month. I, st I don't know how much more you're how much you're saving. I, do you have you're the money guy? Do you do you know? Well, that's one of the great things about this Windows phone. Is it's cheaper. You can just buy it outright, and then you can get a con. Or you don't need a contract. You can sign up with Brightspot or Cricket or Metro PCS, and don't even have a contract and save money on the phone and the plan. Okay. It's kind of a no-brainer. Did you pay cash for it? Uh, I not on this one, no. Um, camera. We did do a camera shakedown, uh, a, a shootout, and I did like my photos better than you. But how I did like mine's better than yours? Yes, right. And I like your clothes better than you're right. I can do anything better than you can. Um, but I thought the colors were better on the iPhone, and the exposure was a little better. Um, that's I think is a great matter of debate. I think uh, that is in the eye of the beholder. I think if you ask most people, they will agree that the Lumia PureView camera is the best camera. And I think Apple would agree too because they just hired the guy who did it for Lumia. So sir, I think they're on to something and Apple even, okay. even knows that. I will say that as, as a photographer and an iPhone user, this is the best camera they've ever come out with. I am amazed sometimes at how good the images are, and particularly for video. The video is so good on, on the iPhone. The image stabilization, you can shoot without, ha you can shoot handheld without having to have it on a tripod. We do many of our stand-ups here. And then some of the little, little knickknacks that they throw in there, like time-lapse and super slow-mo, are really good. I mean, they're really great. Now, you're only going to use them once or twice, but they're really great. I, and I say this camera is just as good. This is built-in optical image stabilization, even for low-light photos, which you do not have in the iPhone 6. Also, let's not forget about Cortana. Cortana is a breakthrough voice recognition system that knows me, who can respond to me. She can sing to me. She gives me a dossier of everything I need to know, what is happening in my area. It blows Siri away. There is no comparison. That is hands down, no, no, dis no dispute there. I think people would agree with you on that. And, of course, Google also blows Siri away. Um, Siri has not really been advanced. But I'm, I'm struck by you said that Cortana sings to you. What sort of songs? She sings all kinds of things. In fact, I can, I'm trying to multitask here, and I'll try to do a little demo for you. For you out there who don't know, um, you sing a song. Oh, Matt has a Batman sc screensaver, which I think is really cool. So it hears you talking, so it won't sing to me. We have to be quiet for a minute. Once it, sing a song. I can sing this one. Oh, Danny boy, the pipes, the pipes are calling. That's just one example. And she, you know, she'll give you um, predictions of who's going to win the next sports game or the teams that you like. She recommends cafes nearby that you'll enjoy. She's just kind of a companion with a little bit of personality. Uh -huh. Can you make specific requests? I'm sorry? 
Can you make specific requests? You cannot, but she will delight you with the songs and the things that you ask her. And then when you ask her what her favorite video games are, you ask her what her favorite TV shows are. These are all fun, but it gives you a, an idea of what the power is behind this engine. Okay, so two things here. Why? You know, obviously, the Windows phones get great reviews, and most people who use them say, yeah, it's a great phone, but, and they don't buy them. Why don't they buy them? The big thing that I hear is that there's this so-called app gap. And I can tell you as a user of this phone, there is no app gap. And if there is, it's tiny. I have Facebook. I have Twitter. I have Spotify. I have, I don't even know what else you want. I've got GPS navigation. In fact, it's so easy to develop for this phone. I did it. I built my own app, and it's on the Windows Store App Store. And you can do the same thing. So if there is an app gap, it's going to get even smaller, especially as Windows, Windows 10 comes out. And the same underlying core works across platforms. Uh, Platforms. Okay, but there is an app gap, and you've got to admit that when new apps come out, they come out on iOS first, and then they come out on Android, and then they will might eventually get to Windows Phone. That is just a fact. It is a fact um, for now, and it will change. But in the meantime, you can take solace in the fact that most of these apps you'll never use anyway. Of all the apps on the App Store. I bet you use maybe one-tenth of one-hundredth of a thousandth of a percent. Most of them are redundant, including fart apps and, and flashlight apps, and there's hundreds of them on iPhone. I agree with you. I only need one. If that, I don't need a fart app. So it kind of gives you an idea. I mean, just because there's more. I think more, most people use about 15. 15 right. apps. 15 apps. And I've got every app I could ever want on this phone, including USA Today. Do you have Google Maps? I don't use that. I use Bing, and I use Here, and I use... Um, uh, there's another one that I use. I can't remember the name, but there's tons of them, and you can download them, and a lot of them are free. Garmin. Uh, what yeah. does Microsoft have to do to get over 3%? I mean, their, their market share is really low. Um, it's really a matter of marketing, and it's a matter of getting people to understand that there are choices, and it's okay to be different. You don't have to be like everybody else. You don't have to have your emails that say sent from an iPhone. And, and I think they need to show people it's okay to be different. It's okay, and I think that takes marketing. And of course, you know you're quoting the Apple marketing campaign from 10, 10, 15 years ago, right? Well, that is a true irony. If um, Steve Jobs had a phone today, he'd probably have a Windows phone if he wanted to be different. That would be different, that's for sure. I, I don't think Steve Jobs would be having a Windows phone. I just don't, don't see that. Maybe somebody else, but who knows? Well, I mean, because that whole campaign was all about having something that's different that can do things that other things can't do. And right now, Windows is, is that choice. Okay. Let's just set, uh, we'll close it on this. But you, you are so happy with this phone. How do you feel your life is different as a Windows phone user from your, your neighbor here, Chris, who has an iPhone? Well, I've got a band. Uh, I have the new band, so I can ask Cortana for weather and directions without even pulling my phone out. When I get texts from my wife, I have a notification at the flick of a wrist. Every morning, I get every, every story I need to know about is already presented to me, and I have traffic presented to me. It's a huge time saver, plus the email client is really good. I was able to wipe out all of my excess emails and get to an inbox of 64 emails after getting this phone. Okay. Matt, thank you. Uh, I'm glad you enjoy your phone. I love my I love my phone too, and that's the great thing about this world is that we could all get different devices and 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 get things out of them. Yeah, and that's the one thing is I've noticed is talking about phones is a little bit like talking like to religion about religion. It's kind of a tricky subject, and people don't want to think about it too much and talk about it. But there are choices. There are choices, and the good thing about this one, unlike religion, is we can go on and not kill each other uh, and have this conversation. So thank you so much for being here, and uh, we'll catch you. Ask Matt uh, at USA Today. I believe it's at Matt Pants on Twitter, right? And I, I'm at Jefferson Graham. Bye-bye. Could Sprint really cut your cell phone bill in half? Well, it sounds nice, doesn't it? Tech reporters Jefferson Graham and Ed Bag explain it all. If you can believe what Sprint has been saying, Sprint wants to cut the price of Verizon and AT&T subscribers, if you'll come to them, because they've tried everything else and it hasn't been working. So they want to cut your bill in half. Of course, they kind of already admitted that it's only about 20% less, not 50%. But Ed, you started this ball rolling. You wrote a piece about it yesterday and you got 18,000 Facebook shares, which proves that this is a hot topic among consumers. Now, what's your take? You took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, yeah, consumers always look are looking to save money. And, uh, you know, it's an interesting time for the whole business. You know, we've seen T-Mobile, which we should point out right at the start, 
is not part of this Sprint promotion. It's just AT&T and Verizon with Sprint, uh, you know, explaining that, uh, that the big guys have 70% share combined. Uh, and that, in fact, we already know that T-Mobile, which has kind of been a leader in, 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 in terms of uh, disruptiveness, if you will, in this space, is already a, you know, low-cost uh, wireless provider. Sprint, Sprint's been suffering. You know, they replaced the CEO over the summer. Uh, they are being very aggressive here in trying to get customers to defect. It's not been an easy process. Their network lags rivals. Um, you know, the name of the game is trying to get attention. They got attention. I'm not sure how many people they're going to get to switch. Well, the however. basic deal is you'll get, for a family plan, unlimited talk, 10 gigs of data for $70 monthly, and that doesn't include the cost of the phone. Now, let's just compare that. Um, I got Verizon is at 140 a month for 10 gigs, and plus $200 for your phone if you're a new subscriber, and AT&T is 140 a month for 10 gigs. Now, T-Mobile, which is supposedly cheaper, isn't that much cheaper. It's $130 a month for 8 gigs. So yeah, I mean this is this is, and you, and, you know, trying to and look, numbers don't mean anything because the minute it, you go in there, you start hearing so many different numbers that can go any, any that's direction. That's right. Yeah, I mean, it's you know you 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 need to be a PhD to sort through some of the plans. Sometime, T-Mobile to their credit has tried to simplify things, but you, you're still paying it out. Let's face it. I mean. Uh, what I like is that we are now moving into an era where the two-year contract, while still obviously, uh, how should I put it, still the predominant way people are sort of getting phones. You know, they, they, they get the, the subsidized price and then commit two years away on this device. But, but uh, T-Mobile was a leader in getting people away from the you know, required contract. Other carriers have followed suit. So we are, in, we are in an interesting time for, for the wireless uh, industry where things are changing, and I think changing for the better, but there's still a lot of confusion. You still have to do your homework in terms of what the actual deals are and, and so on. It's, it's, it's not an easy well, thing. Well, I like what, what Sprint has come out and said. Of course, anything we can do to get the, uh, the, the pricing down is great. Now, uh, the, yep. the, 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 the promotion starts on Friday, December 5th. Today we are talking on Thursday, December 4th, and if you go to their website and try to order, you can't yet. So the first right. thing I always do is I try to order and, and see what the numbers are like and if they're anything like what would be on that first homepage. Um, but I, I couldn't do it. I did do it on Verizon, yeah. AT&T, and T-Mobile. Uh, the, the good news about Sprint, yes, they're, they're cutting the price, and that should be fantastic. In my neighborhood, you couldn't even talk on, the Sprint, on, on a phone in your house. <laughs> with Sprint service. I mean, if I go to Best Buy, if I go to Target and I talk to them about Sprint, they'll tell you that up front. Oh, where you live, you won't hear on a Sprint phone. And uh, that, that, that... But you're going to pay less, you're, maybe. You're going to pay less. <laughs> if you don't mind talking outside, not in your home, and right. in the right position, then you could use Sprint. Well, you're, you're exactly right. You, you hit it on the head. Price is important, of course. All of us want to pay less, right? But you got to get the phone you want, and you got to be able to make the call. You got to be able to check the data. You know, so the network has to has to be right for you. And clearly, it's not right for you in your neighborhood. Yeah, how is it in New Jersey? You know, they, there have been some challenges uh, with with Sprint through the years. Uh, it's very hit or miss, in my experience. Um, I have not uh, checked out their network of late in my neighborhood so you know it's hard to say but it's been hit or miss through the years where I've had it real issues with their network at times but I've to be fair I've had issues with uh, with everybody's network at one point or another um, you know Verizon gets credit for being the the best network or a lot of people say that they say that of course in their advertising I actually just today visited Verizon got some tours of their labs and talked to some of their networking people I can say they obviously put a lot of attention in their network. They have a lot of pride in their network. They've been leaders in LTE. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's pretty much everybody acknowledges they have the best network. But let's go back to consumer issues for a second. Now, the, 
do you rent the phone or do you buy the phone outright? Um, you know, Google has their new Nexus 6 phone out, and it's just it's available for $650. They're not talking about any contract. Yep. $650, go take it to a carrier and go get a SIM card. And, you know, should we be buying iPhones for $650? Because, uh, and again, or and, more, and, or more. And let's go back to Sprint for a second. It's not really 50%, it's 20%, and you have to buy the phone. You didn't factor in the price of the phone. So uh, that is a big deal. What, what, what would you recommend to consumers? Should they just go buy <coughs> the phone? Well, it's, it's different for everybody. It, you know, this is a, as much a cash flow thing as anything. You know, if you've got the money to, to pay for it up front, then that's the way to go. And a lot of people, or I, I don't say a lot of people, but more and more people I think are, are doing that. What we have seen, and again, T-Mobile was a leader in pushing this, but other carriers are doing it as well. You know, you can uh, put little or nothing down and then pay on a monthly basis some sort of installment plan. What, what people have to forget, you know, how many phones have we seen? You know, we, 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 of course, talked a lot recently or, you know, just the other day about Black Friday and Cyber Monday. And you could get a Galaxy S5 for a dollar at Best Buy. But, of course, you're not really getting it for a dollar because people don't think about the fact that these are subsidized phones and that you're really paying, you know, that monthly payment does add up so uh, you know again it's not always as transparent as it seems so uh, so to answer your question I think it depends do you have the money up front are you comfortable you know putting out that money just know that one way or the other whether you're paying it up front whether you're paying it monthly you're paying no you know no you're not really getting anything for free no certainly but the thing is it's so easy to sell these phones there are so many websites that will buy them from you just by clicking a few buttons uh, you yeah know, you can get two hundred three hundred dollars for your for your recent phone which you know why not just buy pay 650 for the iPhone use it for a year and when that new hot iPhone comes out or whatever whatever the iPhone, are we already talking iPhone 7 yeah, no the iPhone success whenever yeah, the, right, the next right. one comes out and you want to get the new one just sell the thing for $300 which is probably what you could get and you've used it for a year and I think you're in much better shape well it is true that fewer and fewer people are sort of lasting for the full two years of their contract um, you know they're they're making other deals that that's all changing again that's a choice you know that's a choice people can make and it's not necessarily a bad one but it's going to be different for you or me or, or the people out there listening. Yeah, the best deal was last year with the Google Nexus 5 when it was $350. Uh, yeah. That was a short-lived deal. And let's see, I think Amazon's Fire Phone is now available unlocked for $199. That is yeah, if anybody wants the Moto it. X, I know, uh, again, uh, again, this was a Cyber Monday thing, but uh, you know, Motorola had the Moto X, which is a hot phone uh, with a discount. I think, don't hold me to it, I think it was $350. Uh, unlocked with a discount um, so there are deals to be had now again that was cyber monday but the point is that there are deals that are you know they may not be there today but they'll likely be here next week or certainly in january when we start to talk about the new crop of phones you know because we'll start to see stuff early next year uh you know mobile world congress which is a big uh you know, wireless trade show that takes place in Barcelona. We see introductions there. And then, of course, as we go through the year, we'll hear from all the usual suspects here. Okay, well, let's go back to Sprint for a minute because um, part of the deal with the Sprint offer upon saving half of, you know, having your, your rate cut in half is that you have to trade in your old phone. So yes. they're going to sell yeah. your old phone for $200 or $300, and uh, that's something to factor in as well. So you, you, I, it looks like you're going to save, I don't know, 30 bucks a month. I think is it, and and have service that won't be as good as Verizon or AT and T, but you will say well, money. at least in, at least in your neighborhood and maybe my neighborhood. I, I I'm not going to say every. I bet it's really good in Kansas City. I bet it's really good in Kansas City too, which is where Sprint I, is based. I, yes, I've been to their headquarters. Is it Overland, and, uh, Pet, Kansas? I think it's actually. Called. I believe, I believe so, and uh, I've been on their campus, which is very nice, and uh, yeah, I'm sure it's terrific coverage there, uh, but. Sprint is playing catch-up, certainly network-wise, compared compared to their rivals. Yeah, and what and they offered last year was unlimited service, uh, unlimited unlimited uh, gigs, unlimited data, uh, and but that didn't that didn't do the trick. No, 
No, apparently not. But again, they have a new CEO. He, he only took over in, in August. So let's give him a chance to see what he could do. He's certainly being aggressive. And, you know, aggressive seems to play. We've certainly seen T-Mobile be aggressive. Uh, AT&T's had to respond. And, of course, Verizon is sort of the, again, we talked about their network. They're, they're, they tend to be more sort of like, um, I don't know, the New York Yankees of the space, if you will. And, yeah. you know, that may not be a perfect analogy, but, but you know. Okay, well. Sprint, Sprint, Sprint has to do something to get attention. Okay, well, they, they certainly said, got it. They're getting they attention. They got attention. December 5th, the program starts. Uh, check that fine print. You're going to have to trade in your phone. You're going to uh, cut your bill not really in half, but maybe 20%, but you will save money. Do try to test the phone out if you're going to do this. Take it home. Tell them you want to take it home first. and Because I think they all will let you do a return policy very early for like a week or two weeks. Well, T-Mobile, again, had that great deal, uh, you know, the test, uh, I forget what they call the promotion, but you could have an iPhone for a week and just live with it for a week. And then after a week, no obligation, you know, they'd take it back. But it was a great way to get you to, to test their network. And I think I think you're absolutely right. If you can try it out, by all means, do so because God knows we all live on these devices. Yeah, and for all we know, maybe the network has, has improved in your neighborhood. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So good luck shopping, everybody. I'm Jefferson Graham with Ed Begg, and we will catch you next time. On the Mothership, Life Reporters Carly Malenbaum, Brian Truitt, Brett Molina, and Kelly Lawler talk all things geek. Catch it every Friday. Carly got some serious geek street cred on this week's show. Listen. Wait, I think we should start with the really big news. Oh, me? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I've seen the original <laughs> Star Wars movies now. Okay, wait. So all three of the first ones? Okay, I've seen all three, and now I'm working <coughs> on the prequels. Oh, I, I would. So I know, you've seen A New Hope, Empire, skip. and... Jedi. Yes. Okay. And you, yes. you, you said this. You saw. You seen like the first half of Phantom Menace. Yes, I just started that last night. So <laughs> everyone's you, shaking you their heads just, at me. And I you think know, she should see you know what so happened with Anakin Skywalker. So it's just like just keep she going. She should be yeah. able to share in the hate. She should see them. Yeah, yeah. I gotta share understand. In the hate. Yeah, yeah. What everyone's so angry about. I feel like I'm already really. starting to understand. Hey, <laughs> There's so much happening. <laughs> It was yeah. I, before we before we started recording. I started looking up all the old Phantom Menace trailers just to compare, since mm -hmm. it's the start of the new trilogy and stuff like that. And a lot of Darth Maul, and you maybe got like half second snippets of Jar Jar, and that's it. And so obviously the trailers were fantastic. Oh yeah, that first it was one, a ton of Darth. I was Maul. I mean I went to go see Wing Commander on that first <laughs> night just to see. I mean I was down in I was I think I was telling one of y'all I was down in Norfolk for like I was I was a sports writer at the time. And um, I went to a Marine base because it was like the closest place that was um, that was playing Wing Commander. So it was like me and a bunch of like Marines. <laughs> really? Yeah. I actually, cool. I, unfortunately, I didn't leave like after the trailer. Aww. I actually stuck it out through Wing Commander. Sorry, Freddie Prince Jr. I didn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not as But it's just funny. And it all. I, <clears throat> we'll get to the trailer in a sec. Let's go back to Carly watching. Yeah. I, don't oh, yeah I, I just want to hear this your reaction. Important. There's so a. a it was a lot of stuff. I mean, it just so much was explained, like so many references that I pretended to together. get. <laughs> yeah, like these are not the droids you're looking for. Like, yes, because mm -hmm. that's yes. all over the internet. Yeah, it's pretty much every line. pop culture like catchphrase. Yeah, it's like it's I mean, a most trap. Most of them, I knew. Like, yeah. I I knew what was going to happen for the most part, <laughs> but I liked going on the ride. I was pleasantly surprised by how awesome Leia is. Yeah. I didn't know, I mean, I knew she was the princess. I knew we have to have a woman in here somewhere, but I didn't know she'd be like a hero. Oh, you she's, know? yeah, she's, oh, yeah. Oh, she'd yeah. be rescuing Han Solo in a mask. I'm like, you are badass. Sorry, I don't know if we could say that. Because like, yeah. um, like Brian said, it's the mothership. Just let it go. <laughs> um, so I were, was, you, were you freaked out when, when in Empire, when Leia kissed Luke? Oh yeah, I'm like no. That's the moment everybody goes back to. Her no. like, oh. Yeah, because at that point I, I already knew they yeah, were siblings, yeah, totally, so I was like, totally. oh why? Oh okay. Did the did Luke? I am your father. Even though you knew that was gonna happen, like was it still a big moment? It wasn't as big because I knew yeah. it was happening. So I think that I kind of ruined by already knowing. Yeah. But that's okay. Do you have a favorite? 
A favorite character? Or no, favorite, no, favorite, movie? favorite, favorite, favorite of the, the movies you've seen so far. Oh, you know what? I love the Ewoks, so I think it's the last one. I, I mean, what do you guys think about Ewoks? Is this like... I like Ewoks. I think they're fine. Yeah, yeah, I, I think Ewoks I think are fine. Jar Jar Binks erased everything. Yeah. It's like you kind of yeah. all is forgiven with the Ewoks. You uh-huh. know, so. <laughs> I was into But them. even still, they're not that. I mean, they're not that. I don't know. I, it's not the worst thing. I will always no. and forever adore the Ewoks, yeah. man. This is, this is going back to the things I saw when I was a little kid. The Ewoks are, I would just like hold a teddy bear and watch the Ewoks. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting. I like, you know, kind of, I think, I think when people first see them, and went to see him through. Mm-hmm. I mean, most people see him as kids. Like, and uh, like, Return of the Jedi was my favorite for like the longest time. Oh yeah, but me it's, too. Yeah, but it's as you get to an adult, that's when that's when Empire becomes everybody's favorite because there's so much on on repeated viewings. Empire yeah. is the kind of the most layered and the most kind mm. of yeah really deep. So I th- I think you know if you watch him over and over again, that will probably become your favorite. Like a lot of people's, but I think on just on a first, you know, kind of just whipping your way through it. Mm-hmm. Return of the Jedi has obviously the climax. Yeah, and the so ha- much action. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Now wait, wait, did you get CG Anakin at the end of Jedi? Did you watch the special edition? Probably. Probably. Whatever. Did you see Hayden Christensen at the end of Return of the Jedi? I think so. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. That's, yeah. The, that's, that's the so most unfortunate part of the special editions. So, because what happened was um, the original cut of the movie. Oh. Obviously, that's not Hayden Christensen because he wasn't born yet or whatever. Like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah, right. they used oh. Sebastian Shaw, who was who was the one when they yeah. took off Vader's head. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we saw yeah. his head. I saw his right. head. Yeah, Sebastian but, but Shaw. But when the ghost yeah. comes back, they made it that guy. Yeah, but, yeah like Sebastian not. Shaw. I think I saw him, the ghost. Yeah, yeah. Hayden um, Christensen, cute ghost. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so I think the DVDs that gave you had also had some. They added some. CG. Yeah, and they didn't have the Yub Nub song in the, in huh? outside yeah. of the special edition. Um, I don't know what that the is. <laughs> <laughs> the song at the end of when, when they all Ewoks all sing Yub Dub. It's it's like a whole like, well they're dancing up and down. Yep. Yeah, you're still you're still you doing Jedi thing. training. There's time. Yeah, yeah. 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 But in the special edition they cut it out and they have this like kind of more instrumental. Yeah, it's weird. Thing, oh, I don't remember. But wait, I have a really important question for yeah. you. Yeah, who shot first? Oh, oh, you know what? Colton asked me this. Um, I think Han Solo did. I think Han Solo did. That is the correct answer. Yeah. Because that changed, right? No, that was another one of those things where George Lucas goes back and ruins things. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Sorry, Sorry, that was a personal What do you really feel about (laughs) that scene? He said said years later that Greedo shot first. And it just changes the whole dynamic of that scene. And everything you learn about that character when you first meet. It's like, no, Han shot first. Yeah. Yes, he's supposed to be. And I loved Han. He was so cute. Harrison Ford? I forgot. You were young and really attractive. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, he's still pretty attractive. I mean, for someone who's still attractive. Yeah, no, he's still he's still got it. But my mom watched one of them with me, and she's like, "Growing up, I had a crush on Harrison Ford." I'm like, "I have a crush on Harrison Ford. I feel you." Yeah, between that and Indiana Jones, he was. Yeah, he's a bad bad man. But I didn't realize. Well, of course, I didn't realize this because I hadn't seen the movies. But there are so many times where someone says, (laughs) "I have a bad feeling about this." (laughs) I really wish I would have gone through and tallied them. Because it got to a point where I was just waiting for someone to say that. I'm like, do you, is Hansel, who, who is the bad feeling, guys? What is <laughs> the bad feeling? Did you get to my, my favorite line, like my favorite like kind of bad line of the movies is when um, they're like, I think it's a Return of the Jedi. And Leia just goes up to Han and goes, hold me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. you know what? She was sad and she's so strong the whole time. And... Hansel is kind of standoffish <laughs> for a while, and she's the one who's saying, like, I love you, and he's like, I know. She oh. had a little affection. Oh, I love that you, is part I know. of that movie. Everybody, everybody, else, everybody else always hates I love you, I know more than that. Um, <laughs> but the hold me thing, that was like, that was right after. That was when she, she got, finds out. When she that finds Luke's out her she's a yeah. sister, yeah. and Luke's about to go, he's gone after yeah. Darth Vader. No, I know. I so. just always felt that when I was watching that, like, Carrie Fisher couldn't even take herself seriously when she's saying that. Oh, uh, I bought <laughs> it. Yeah. I, totally I don't know bought how she it. took herself seriously in the, uh, the slave bikini. Well, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> yeah. I bought the whole, uh, anything Leia did, I was on board. Pro Leia. Even that part, because she was upset, and then Han Solo thought it was, like, about Luke because she loved him. Mm. So she had to be like, no, listen, like, you're still my guy. I know you're a little, like, self-conscious about it. You can't even tell me you love me <laughs> until you're, like... Actually, when does he say it? He doesn't say it till later. But she's the one who's saying it the whole time. He's just like, yeah, yeah no. 
Yeah. I want to watch these Thanks. movies again now. You got to give me the DVD yeah, I back. Have- <laughs> <laughs> it was really fun, though. Yeah. I really yeah. had a good time watching these. Um, but then when I went back, went to the prequels, I was just telling Kelly this. I was just like, I, I read the, you know, the scroll in the beginning, mm-hmm. and then I was like, whoa, wait, wait, what's going Train on? Train negotiations. What are you talking <laughs> about? Was so wait. Uh. Well, also, it's like I feel like someone, you know, you're a full-time entertainment journalist now, and Kira Knightley and Natalie Portman okay, are very yes, famous. Okay, yes, wait. I was telling Kelly about this, so I was watching. Sorry, I get all. I keep getting the, the Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Yeah. I'm watching Phantom Menace last night, and I see like Natalie Portman. Of course, is the queen. <laughs> I know Natalie Portman. I love Natalie Portman. I'm like, oh yeah, right. This was like one of her early roles, and then we go to see the queen with her little servants later, and I'm like. The girl standing next to the queen looks more like Natalie Portman than the queen. Actually, the queen looks like Kira Knightley. What the <laughs> hell is going on? <laughs> Everyone I'm with is like, it'll make sense. <laughs> I'm just like, Natalie Portman just changed roles. You can't do that. Um, but I haven't gotten to the end, so I'm assuming that will that will make more sense later. Yeah, it will. Yes. Yes. But I Whether did meet, or not it makes sense, it will be explained. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did meet young Anakin, and he was. Really weird. Yeah, he's had that's, some issues. That's unfortunate. Oh, that, that that was that was a casting issue. I wish yeah. I, I wish you had that <laughs> Men in Black. Issues. I wish you had that Men in Black wand that would <laughs> just pop your head for Phantom Menace, and I just pretend it. Never so it's really that bad. I. It's like okay. Well, so uh, here's the thing the that only, I was telling. Yeah, Attack of the Clones isn't bad. Is um, Phantom Menace is bad. Phantom Menace. Attack is bad. of the Clones. The is third like, movie's the best. Of yeah, it, Revenge totally. of the Sith is significantly okay. better. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, it's still not. It still's got. It still has Hayden Christensen. <laughs> yeah. Is he? He's that bad? Well, Hayden, Hayden Christensen plays right. Anakin once he's right. grown up. He's not good. He's not hmm. good. And I mean, I just I don't know. I have trouble taking him seriously. And wow. Attack of Attack of the Clones was redeemable because you had a lot of Boba Fett backstory. Mm. But then, yeah, the and you under, and although you, that backstory is so ridiculous, it I'm is. Sorry. No, it totally is. But yeah, you get but to, you at get, least you, you get a that. setup for the Clone Wars, and you yeah. understand right. kind of where you get a lot of more of the political stuff mm-hmm. in Attack of the Clones. And it makes some sense. And then obviously, Revenge of the Sith is when he turns into Darth Vader. But Phantom Menace, there's no. I mean, I don't. I don't see a point of that. Huh? Really? Although I was talking, telling Carly earlier that. Again, another one that I saw when I was really young. And I was, like, particularly obsessed with The Phantom Menace when I was 10 years old. I was, like, because um, it's, it's a kid's movie. Because it's, like, about this kid being the, like, you know, savior and everything. And I, like, I had, like, two novelizations of it that I read. <laughs> and, like, I had seen a uh-huh. lot of times. And then, you know, I go through this drought of, like, not, because, you know, you just don't rewatch movies for a while. And then I revisit them again, like, when I'm a teenager. And I was, like, oh, Oh no! Like I was, I was like, it was like watching my childhood disappear in front of me. Like, <laughs> but I mean, I think for that re- that's the only reason I have for the Phantom Menace is that it was very enjoyable for me when I was ten years old. Yeah. I still think Liam Neeson's cool. Like I, yeah. I still believe he's everything right. he's yeah. doing. That that and the Darth Maul stuff was pretty good. Yeah. But then outside it's of that, it's just so fleeting, though. Hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's it, for whatever that is that moment. It's yeah. fine. But it, the yeah. You know, the, it's like for every shot of Darth Maul, you have ten. Scenes about trade negotiations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I meet Jar Jar, and, yeah, and it's all I nice. finally understand <laughs> <laughs> what everyone's been so angry about for so long. Oh, just wait. It gets just worse. Wait. Yeah. No, because I, he does something later, oh, which is pretty God. much just ruins everything. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah. I did like his cool underworld place. Yeah, that's kind of old. That was neat. And it's it's so funny when you see them transition between the movies, <laughs> how Jar Jar becomes Sorry. more and more like shoved out of the way. Like, oh, okay. You can tell people really didn't like him because in the second movie... Them, yeah. But he kept him in the movie. But I know, but he's he's pretty much mute and he's like there for three oh. seconds. You kind of see him and he kind of waves or does something. Yeah, good, right now he's, he's a talker. He's yeah, you don't get a lot of that. Yeah. Miso yeah. something. <laughs> uh. Miso like talking. <laughs> I don't know. It's way too much. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess we should let's move ahead and talk about the trailer. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, let's start here. Was there one <laughs> moment or one something you saw specifically that you were especially excited well, here, about? Uh, this is uh, so. So Carly just watched all the I did the originals, and and I I feel like J.J. Abrams is taking a lot from the originals. Mm-hmm. Did you like the Force Awakens tra- yeah, trailer? Because I of was that? into it. Well, it <laughs> felt like we were going back to the same planet, like the same sandy landscape. And we're doing like I'm t- I don't know all these terms. Tatooine. 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 Yeah. No. Back on Tatooine. I don't like whatever Daisy Ridley's <laughs> flying looked really cool. Yep. 
Um, and it looked similar to what we've seen in the movies I just watched. Um, <coughs> so I liked that maybe because I was seeing things that were similar. Um, I have a fondness for R2-D2 now, of course, like I'm sure you all do. So seeing a droid that looked like him was exciting. <coughs> um, that droid is so cute. He was so yeah, cute. The one, cool. Like the soccer ball one? Yeah. 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 He's going to be a popular action figure next year. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, I was very. Ex- I, I guess I shouldn't have expected to see Han Solo and Leia. I expected. I expected at least. I expected Mark Hamill. Well, yeah, really? I thought somebody was going to. What show up. I was most struck by more than anything else in the trailer was actually how much footage we saw. Yeah, I think I true. saw someone counted the number of seconds we actually saw new footage, and it was like thirty-five seconds, which hmm. that seemed to me so much new footage because someone on Twitter um, last week sent me the first <coughs> teaser for Star Trek: The J.J. Abrams 2009 reboot, and it was about the same length, and it was a bunch of guys repairing the Enterprise, and it's sort of. It, you just see guys repairing something, and then it pans up, and you see it's the Enterprise, and you hear um, Leonard Nimoy, who was Spock, and who made an appearance as old Spock in that movie, mm-hmm. um, saying, space, the final frontier. <clears throat> and I was like, oh my god, I can see exactly what he's going to do again. There's gonna be, You're going to see him panning over the Millennium Falcon, and you're going to hear Harrison Ford's voice going, something is awakening. And yeah. then it's, I was like, I was like, and I was like, or maybe it's, I have a bad feeling about this. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Or Everyone like, says it. Or, you know, <laughs> it's a trap. Um, <laughs> but I was like, and so I was, I, I mean, because he's so secretive, and every, I was just expecting nothing. And I was like, and then I saw the thing, and I was like, wow, we get really good shots of a bunch of stuff, of, of John Boyega as a stormtrooper, of Daisy Ridley on the... Um, on the speedster, faux uh, Tatooine, yeah, faux Tatooine. Yes. Um, you saw the that Wait, guy. Wait, that's what the thing's called. No, I, well, we don't know what it is. I, oh, I, I we just, think we're on Tatooine. Yeah, right? I, I yeah. assumably we're on Tatooine. It looks like it just looks like, like it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then um, the guy in the woods <clears throat> with the coolest lightsaber since Darth Maul's double that was, lightsaber. Yeah, it was awesome. Right. Um, the ex- I think you said it was like Excalibur esque. It your is. Post. It, yeah. I mean, yeah, because it has. It's like it's got that cross thing. Yeah, it's got yeah. the yeah. cross guard. And, but, yeah. Um, I was just like, I was just so excited that I really, <clears throat> I, I feel like I really, even though it was just like whatever, thirty five seconds, I feel like I got a feel for it. I mean, that thing with the um, the X wings. I mean, you know, because that I, was amazing. The boy oh thing was cool because yeah. I mean, and and the stormtroopers about the. About the, you know, like have a landing and the droid was kind of cool. But man, chills. Like when Oscar Isaac came in oh, with, yeah. the, mm-hmm. with, and the, got the rebel. with the rebel insignia uh-huh. and they're skimming right across the water. The water. Yeah. I, I about lost it. Well, totally. I like the, the, t- the end of that trailer. With the I thought that Falcon was Luke for a second before I knew it was Oscar Isaac. I was okay. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, they all kind of. I mean, yeah. that's an, you know, can you get used to Mark Hamill in that mm-hmm. X-wing outfit, and you, they all look like Mark Hamill, except for Porkins. They all look. They all look pretty yeah. much like Mark Hamill. Wait. Also, can I say something about um, Mark Ham- or Luke in the X-wing? Mm-hmm. So, do all of his friends like all the time just die? I felt like it was like he's like, oh my god, my friend from back in the day, I love you. Like, let's go fly, <laughs> and then like I'm like, that guy's going to die. <clears throat> like he runs into someone else. I'm like. Luke's friends with him. He's done. Well, I mean, that, that guy, that done. guy's in the in in the Hoth battle, and then Wedge makes it. Wedge makes it. Wedge makes he it to the Return of the Jedi. Wait, is that the one who has the explosion in? That's Porkins. Okay, there's like an explosion. I'm wow. like, ah, I don't yeah, know these names. Dead. I'm really impressed. Right I've got to watch these again. Uh, Wait, <laughs> they're talking to. Come on. I know. I know. I'm sorry. I, mean, I have I'm... all their action figures <laughs> still. Porkins has an explosion. I thought he was dead, and then he wasn't. And I'm like, oh my god. You're the oh, only Por- no, friend Porkins of dies, dies. There's another. Oh, there, I know you're talking about though. There's another guy then. Yeah, I'm not There's sure. There's one survivor. Da- yeah, Wedge, Wedge makes it to the to return the the battle because the battle happens in the first one. So yeah, because Wedge makes it to Return of the Jedi. Dak dies and, and dies in the at at attack. I no, I don't know who. I'm I'm not sure who else. And I feel like but yeah, so yeah, he's gonna he's gonna dies the in, the, in the in the um or. Is, Somebody in uh, somebody also in his squadron dies in the first one. I can't remember who that. Did did you seem? Did anyone else think that he's like <clears throat> not doesn't react much to the fact that it, like his family died? It was like, oh, there are their skeletons. Okay. There was a lot of no yeah, in that moment. Yeah. It was like, all right. Well, he went out, he went out to like you know fight the empire. Like that's what that's what put him on yeah. the edge. 
Mm-hmm. I guess. I, I guess I was feeling like, am I missing something here? Luke Lake does not seem to feel much. Well, I think we had to move along. I, yeah. I think it's like you know, I think we had the melo. I mean, I but I think you saw the melodrama in the well, you haven't yet in the prequels where where spoiler alert, Carly, um, <laughs> Anakin shows up and the same people kills his oh mom. Oh my god! And but, he's just whining. Oh, and, but it's and just whining, like it's so melodramatic, whining. and you know, it's one more thing. You know, one more step. And he's to the like, dark and he's side. throwing things in that stupid room. Blah blah oh blah. My and, god. But I think, but it's just, I mean, it just, you, the momentum stops. Yeah. In the, I in see. the first one, I mean, uh, you know, okay, and you know. Uncle Owen and Brew are dead. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Let's go off and and fight the empire. That's. I mean, okay. How about like Obi Wan dies going. Yeah. or fake dies or well, whatever happens to Obi Wan when? Darth- oh, he straight up dies. He straight yeah. up dies. But how did he die? That made no. He let Darth Vader kill him. Yeah. yeah. Like he sliced him. Well, that's like, why. Where did his body go? Well. well uh, that well, I mean, that's that's the thing. You know, that didn't make any. When a like, Jedi Knight dies. Psh- Oh, that's what happened. Because it's like even his cloak thing wasn't sliced. Like nothing. It was like clearly he let Darth do whatever just happened. But mm-hmm. then it, he, it, I don't know what happened. To him. He went off to the Force. Yeah, he, he became he one. Like, that's how you do it. Uh-huh. Yeah, because Yoda dies the same way. I mean, Yoda, uh-huh. Yoda. Oh just yeah, Yoda does disappear. Um, that is a, that is a, if we want to go into the whole Darth Vader, well, why didn't Darth Vader do the whole thing? I think that's a much bigger, that's uh, a much bigger podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, because I mean, there's a whole theory, you know, kind of, you know, when when Darth Vader dies, he dies. Yep. He doesn't just he doesn't. Do but even does. though he's been redeemed, hmm. he he just he stays intact. But even though at the end though he's up there with Yoda and mm-hmm. and everybody else, so that's always that's been one of my interesting things is like mm. why didn't you know if he was if yeah. he was redeemed at that point, why didn't he just disappear into the Force like everybody else did? So now, do we think in this trailer one of these three characters is going to end up as a Jedi or someone that? I think Daisy Ridley will. I think Daisy Ridley will. Although and I so think I'm Daisy Ridley is the Luke Skywalker of this trilogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder exactly what we think about. John Boyega's character now because all the chatter <clears throat> coming up to the trailer had been that Daisy Ridley and John Boyega were going to be the leads. Yeah, sure, um, yeah. And well, I mean, yeah, they are, but like, so he's starting out as a stormtrooper, or like maybe he's a stormtrooper. He might like, not yeah, even see, be one. Right. Right. Could be just wearing or, or, I mean, I think, I think, I think there's a lot of important things though that that in the cartoon Star Wars Rebels right mm-hmm. now is because I mean it's it it goes into the and and they've said there's they're seeding a lot of stuff. Yeah. For the new trilogy in this cartoon, and one of the things is, you know, all these people that are 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 being recruited by the Empire, even though they really don't want to be, you know, they kind of ha- are forced into into servitude almost. Mm-hmm. And I think I think there's two things we could we could see with Boyega. We could either, you know, he's either hiding as a as a stormtrooper, mm-hmm. as we've seen some Han and Luke do before, or he's serving he, against his will. Or oh, yeah, yeah, he's serving against that. his will, and he's like, I'm, I'm out. You know, I yeah. gotta get out of here. And that would make sense. I mean, that would be an interesting little thing, you know, kind of somebody who, I, who, well, why, why are there even stormtroopers still around? That's right. that's, that's, that's an even bigger a big question. question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And why is there still a rebel alliance? Yeah. Uh, you know, the the thing you mentioned earlier, you know, not seeing Mark Hamill, not seeing Harrison Ford, um, <coughs> like I was expecting <coughs> that too. I thought they would have shown. I th- I thought at least one of them, one if not of all them. three, would have been in there at some point. But in a way, I'm glad it wasn't because. I feel like this trailer then, it it feels more f- like a forward-thinking yeah. kind of trailer yeah. instead of you're just dwelling on what's been done. Mm-hmm. This is all about the here and now and well, where we're going. And I think Han, Luke, and Leia are probably, I mean, if they all make it out of the first movie, I don't. I mean, I don't think they're going to play a big role in yeah. this whole trilogy. I think, I think they're going to have major roles in, in Episode 7. But eight and nine, they probably, I mean. Who knows? They, yeah. You know, it's going to turn into the, the Boyega, Ridley Mm-hmm. Gleason, Lee, Isaac, Driver show. So this is kind of the passing the torch movie. Sort yeah, of. it is. It is. I mean, and, yeah. I mean, I think, in a sense, the first one was a passing the torch movie too, from 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 Obi Wan to to yeah. Luke. Hmm. But I, yeah, it's interesting because I think I think we all can assume that the the Jedi guy or the or the Sith guy in the um in the woods. Is Adam, is Adam Driver. Driver. Although I oh. kind of really wanted to be Gwendolyn Christie because I think Gwendolyn Christie's could be yeah. an awesome Sith Lord. I was that was like somebody said somebody said on Twitter though you know kind of they see she you know that that person seems super skinny, but I, you really can't tell. I mean you they're wearing really black. You really can't tell. Right? 
Yeah, it's a um, big cloak. It's really hard to see that. Yeah. I mean, that was, like, one of the things that I was, like, I mean, since we got all this stuff to see, but then I was, like, I still kind of wish that we had seen either Gwendolyn or Lupita, because mm-hmm. I'm just so particularly excited about the two of them being in this more than any of the other cast. So, I mean... Maybe that was her, but I I, I feel I think like she's going to be a bad guy. I think she's going to be a bad guy, too. Lupita will probably be part of the, whatever, whatever we're calling the Rebel Alliance at this point. Yeah, the good guys. Good guys. Well, okay, one of the things that I also found was interesting was that voiceover uh, Andy mentioned Circus. Yep. Andy Serkis, which we... I didn't realize that was Andy Circus. Well, not a lot of people Cumberbatch. did. A lot of people oh. thought it was Cumberbatch, and he had to like say it wasn't him. <laughs> but, um, not me, guys. Yeah, it was, like, it was like on like Good Morning America this morning, they like said that it was... They had sources, and that it was Andy Serkis. Um, but, um, right, so he mentioned the light, which is just interesting because I feel like, <coughs> Brian can, will correct me if I'm wrong, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> um, that, that's not really, like, a thing that we ever talk about, like, the light, so much as we talk about, like, the Force and the Jedi and everything, like, the specific, like, the word, the light, which I just found interesting in terms of, like, maybe seeing, like, you know, Jedi 2.0, like, seeing that, like, the Jedi as a movement, as or however you want, whatever you want to classify them as in yeah. this universe, seeing them evolve and do something new, which I'd be very interested in seeing. Well, he, ne- he never said the light side either. Right, he just said the light. Yeah, so I think that's important. I think I think I think Andy Serkis is probably affiliated with the Sith. Oh yeah. When it comes out, well, whether he's an Inquisitor that, or, wh- that or whatever. Was yeah, yeah, that was that was Andy's evil voice. But I I think so. You know, if if the dark side awakens. Then everybody's, I mean, so so will the light. I mean, kind mm-hmm. of the Jedi Order. What I mean, if there's, I mean, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, the Jedi were wiped out. Return of the Jedi ended with a Jedi Knight there. So you'd assume that he was restart the Jedi Order, but maybe he didn't. You know, maybe this is where the Jedi Order gets reestablished in this movie, starting in this movie. Yeah. Because we don't know what happened. You know, in 30 years after Return of the Jedi... We don't know what. I mean, there's been rumors of like Luke Skywalker's off somewhere in doing exile. We don't know else. what the hell he's doing. Something about his hand. Yeah, it's, yeah, something about that. Something um, about his hand. Oh, the yeah. one that got chopped off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but we don't know. I mean, I you know I I think it's you know that's that might be one of the things is somebody they gotta go find Luke, kind of like the Obi Wan. Yeah. You know, it was all about finding Obi Wan. Help me, Luke Skywalker. He, he's our only hope. And Luke might be the only hope and, you know, kind of this. Yeah. Journalists share their own firsthand experiences in the USA Today Voices series. This week, Owen Ullman described what it was like to see Bob Dylan, a voice of his generation, perform after all these years. How does it feel to be without a home? close friend and I belted out those lyrics as we walked away from our college graduation ceremony more than four decades ago and jingle jangled toward our own unknown futures. Like so many of his songs from the 60s, Bob Dylan's classic Like a Rolling Stone perfectly captured my generation's times and feelings. Dylan was so much more than a musician. He was our poet laureate, an enigmatic and iconoclastic figure who expressed our rebellion against conventional society, our anxiety about our place in the world, the joy and pain of our most intimate relationships. Although I had seen Dylan in concert only once in the 1960s, I have played his songs from that era countless times in the ensuing years, and they still resonate for me. So when I decided to see him in concert again last week, I was filled with excitement and anticipation about hearing him perform dozens of his classic hits. Had I remained a Dylan devotee who continued to follow his career more closely, I would have known better. Unlike so many of his musical contemporaries, he doesn't do crowd-pleasing hits for nostalgic fans who want to relive the past. Now 73... The Dylan I watched on stage for a little over two hours was not the romanticized figure of my youth. He appeared in a cream-colored suit and broad-rimmed Panama hat, 
and the stage lighting was so dim, either to discourage video recordings or obscure his visage, that he appeared to be almost a ghostly figure. There was no interaction with the audience. Accompanied by a strong backup band, he launched into his 19-song set with a voice that was still strong, but that age had changed from a nasal pitch to a gravelly throat. The majority of songs were recent recordings from 2000 and later. I was unfamiliar with them, and understanding the lyrics was a real challenge. Not that he was ever easy to understand. He played keyboard for some numbers, harmonica interludes for others, but he no longer plays the guitar, his signature instrument. His movements on stage were few, tapping to the music or taking a couple of steps that resembled a jig. Dylan threw in a few oldies, including Tangled Up in Blue from 1975 and the anti-war anthem Blowing in the Wind from 1962. But his renditions were so different from the recordings I had memorized that I didn't recognize them until midway through the familiar refrains. His songs are never static, but constantly evolving. At first, I wasn't sure what to make of the concert. I was disappointed he didn't perform his classics as he recorded them 40 or 50 years ago. At the same time, I was intrigued that the man who never followed life's conventions is still creating new music and poetry decades later as he travels the world on what has become known as his never-ending tour, now in its 27th year. His newer songs still speak of the disadvantaged and oppressed, such as Working Man's Blue from 2006, and of bleak and foreboding times, such as Things Have Changed in 1999 and Pay in Blood from just 2012. His poetry is still bold and powerful. I came away with a newfound respect for Dylan. Instead of playing to the audience's desires to hear his greatest hits as they were recorded ages ago, as do most stars from decades past, he remains true to his art, creating, evolving on his own terms. The audiences, which seem to span several generations, are welcome to come along for the ride, so long as they don't cozy up too close. Aside from his amazing body of work for more than a half century, Bob Dylan remains, at least for me, a complete unknown. Lastly on the show, USA Today's Kim Helmgard caught up with Victoria's Secret Angels backstage in London. At the Victoria's Secret Fashion Show, and I've got Devin Windsor and Shanina Scheich and Stella Maxwell. Okay, we're all waiting for this show to take place in a couple hours' time. Girls, can you just tell me what is the best thing about being here in London? Well, London's like one of the biggest fashion capitals of the world, so it's cool to have the VS show here where all these all these people can come together. <laughs> okay. It's just a great vibe here in London. It's always and it's really exciting to have the Victoria's Secret show somewhere different this year and across the country. You sound like you might be from Australia. Australia. Yeah, yes. So just getting that. You guessed it right. <laughs> what was the question? <laughs> What's the question? Sorry, um, just, just is there anything particular this year, this show in London that you find interesting or exciting? Um, for me, I think um, it's just going to be exciting to have a European audience. It's kind of nice, okay. different type of audience. Do you think that um, people in Europe and possibly even Asia are less aware of the brand than they are? No, America? I think it's pretty well known worldwide. It's it's. So it's one of the, the, the biggest lingerie brands ever, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And they have the and main Victoria's Secret store here in London, New Bond Street as well. So it's kind of like has a Victoria's Secret has a base here also in London as well. Right. Okay. Thanks very much. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Yeah.